Uh, welcome back to class, everybody. I am your um, out-of-character professor. I'm going to not be a uh, raging douchebag this episode. Whoa. I know. What a breath of fresh air. I'm your refreshed Professor Ricky just hearing that. I'm not always right. I know that's hard for y'all to believe, <laughs> but it's true. The truth comes out. He's never always right. I love it. I've been, uh, I've been hard at work, Ethan. Yesterday, I went against logic and hunkered down in my room after being freed from the quarantine void having the choice to be an introvert is now refreshing instead of entangling being forced to do it right so it's like your 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 way out of the void is just like you know using your personal choice to your own end agency agency, yeah, yeah, agency. is exactly what it is it's literally the word i was looking for I so people that. people are like hey man you should come to the pool today i'm like i was at the pool yesterday mm, i'm gonna watch anime instead and boy did i watch some anime yesterday Hell like, yeah whew, i got caught up on gleipnir i watched a lot of kenichi the mightiest disciple i watched oh, a yeah. big chunk of black lagoon i watched oh, a big yeah. chunk of uh another anime um just wanted to check out Cannon Buster, so I watched the first three of that. Okay, not a fan. Not it wasn't. It, it was meh, meh, but you could tell what it was trying to trying to emulate and trying to rip off. It's it got it went right into rip off territory for sure. Um, but yeah, I've been hard at work researching. Um, very cool. Yeah, you watch any good shows? Let you pick anything new up aside from uh, Kagister. Nah, that's really it right now. Um, kind of just working through all the seasonal stuff, obviously as it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually was a couple episodes behind on Tower of God. Ah, okay. And so I cleaned that up pretty sick. Um, Hell yeah. I do have a bone to pick with the most recent episode, but I don't know if that has come out on our extra credit yet, so maybe I won't mention it. Uh, oh, the most recent recent, like 11? Yeah. Okay. I, I watched it personally. We can talk about it off mic, but okay. um, this, this so far, 2020 has... Been a little lackluster in the amount of quality options. Just really, by... I think it's actually been like surprising as fuck. Right. I was gonna say, with years past in the past couple years, there have just been a large swath of quality options just because of the amount of anime coming out. However, I think this whole pandemic situation has let the ones that were always gonna be good shine through because they were either done with production or they just have enough of a clamor for animators to work through it. What I'm getting at is we do have a bunch of gems this season or this year rather. And we're going to talk about what I'd argue is a gem people may have been sleeping on until just recently. Ethan, what show are we talking about today? Today we are Sorry, I'm going in my phone and on my computer, and I'm making sure Do Not Disturb is on. Oh, perfect. I, I literally felt that a call was coming. <laughs> he felt it in the ether. Yeah, like, nobody talks to me ever, and then all of a sudden, we start recording, and, like, I get, like, everyone in my freaking phone book starts calling us. They just know. Yeah, um, so what we're talking about today is Doro Hedero, and this mm-hmm. is a show that I didn't know about literally at all until Two Guys in a Warehouse actually told us about it. Exactly. Um, and obviously, we waited for it to be out of Netflix jail um, rather than, like, go watch it, you know, sailing the high seas and whatnot. Yeah. And it came out in late January, I believe. Um, and like I said, it did go under a lot of people's radars. Uh, I was doing a little research about kind of why maybe it went under people's radar. And there seems to be a bad rap when it comes to Netflix and anime specifically. Y'all Part- need to get off this Netflix shit and think about it this way. Okay. If Netflix did not get involved in the anime game, if Hulu didn't get involved in the anime game, there'd be so many less people that get exposed to anime. Exactly. And I think most people on Earth have one of those types of accounts. A lot of people on Earth do not have a Crunchyroll account. <laughs> it's actually very true. And I think people do get so salty about having to go do the extra work to get anime faster if uh i think that's where the anger comes from netflix snatches it up they do their due diligence to make it like up to par with their standards of production value and voiceovers and stuff like that a lot of people do bitch about netflix dubbing it being lackluster in and of itself oh they're wrong uh, and and that's what i'm saying is i think it's the community that you know spawn some kind of gatekeeping as a kind of a, a kind of a defensive mechanism when anime hits mainstream it's going to be taken by mainstream 
companies, you know, to stream. And that might be a little salty, kind of like the whole big beer industry versus craft beer kind of thing. Everyone gets salty at the big beer industry cleaning up and taking some of their favorite craft breweries. Any any fandom is going to have that, I think. So it is. It <laughs> that really- was such a like good. Um, what's it called? Metaphor or <laughs> yeah, simile? Yeah, I appreciate that. And I was like, where is he going with this for a second? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, now I know exactly what you're talking about. So, so, I mean, I think any group of individuals that are feverish about a thing, a piece of medium, a genre or anything like that are going to have this gatekeeping stuff. And I think because of that in 2020, a lot of these shows like High School Girl and Dora Hetero might be getting overlooked because they're like, yeah, it's not my IP. Netflix took it. It's probably old by now. But Dora Hetero is truly a gem of 2020, and we are going to get into it. Before we start, Ethan, I did a little research about the manga of Dora Hetero, and it's a very interesting history, and it speaks a lot about the plot and the story's resilience and the popularity that it gained. So it came out in 1999, publicated in a manga magazine called Monthly Iki, which is like a sen- like an old school senin a manga kind of like a shonen jump for signing back in like the turn of the millennia Hmm. and that publication got uh, got disbanded in 2014 however dora hetero was so popular that it jumped ship despite that disbanding to another magazine called hibana and that got discontinued in 2017 and then it jumped over again to finish its run in monthly shonen sunday so it actually outlived two other publications to finish out in 2018 in a third. That's some resilience right there. For sure. I think. So you're already looking at a story that is over 20 years old, has a world that's beautifully fleshed out according to all the manga fans, and the story itself could not even be brought down by the loss of two publication companies. So you know you have a banger even before you set eyes on the show. Now that we do, Ethan, let's give him a high level. Where do we start? Okay, but first of all, I did want to finish one last thing about Netflix. Sure, okay. Kind of like hopped into this really fast. Ripping it. Uh, I just wanted to say a lot of people complain about Netflix jail and stuff like that. Yeah, I actually do complain about that. But remember, when you get it, you can watch all of them at once. It's not like a weekly thing. You literally just can knock it out in a weekend if you wanted to. Do you think it's strategically done by Netflix? Because they do weekly releases of some stuff. They've done that in homegrown anime before that they've done weekly releases on netflix like what i don't recall any like that um i think they did that with be the beginning we just watched it late like there's a be couple the beginnings on amazon prime be the begin oh so i'm thinking hero mask was Maybe. on netflix Maybe. yeah so there's a couple that they tried but i or think they Cyborg realized 009 or they something. realized this is 2020 we're we're a binge culture we want it all we want the whole season yeah, I just I don't understand people's you know complaints about that versus waiting week to week to week. I think what it is is that people want to be in the seasonal space, want to be in the know. Like they want they want the freshest thing immediately. By the time it hits uh, Netflix and is released from the Netflix jail, it's in the anime community. It could already have been well talked about. You're no longer really current, current, and then we, they've already moved on to something else. In my opinion, that could be where part of that is spawning. Um, but you know, I, huh, I vanity. I, I get it. I, I do think it is a little, a little. You know, the the anger against Netflix jail is a little high. I find it annoying when I realize it's harder to find in that gap between when it ends and when Netflix releases it. I don't know. Get a VPN and go to J- uh, Japanese Netflix. Apparently, they got them immediately. So yeah, but they don't have like dubs and stuff or subs. So it's like nearly impossible to actually watch the show. That is true. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I respect Netflix for at least giving the accessibility factor a much needed uh, boost. And you so. guys should too. You guys should too. So leave Netflix alone, man. Yeah. They're doing their best. Okay, back to Dora Hetero. All right. Where do we start? What's the world look like for these people? <sighs> I mean, it's really eclectic. It's sort of like a horrorcore kind of feel. The way, yeah, when you told me horrorcore when we were first discussing it, I was about to watch it. That could not be more accurate because it's it's like it's a world that almost has edge baked in as one of the pillars, right? The edge feels so organic in this show. Yeah, but it was like it was not like I feel like edge maybe is not the right term because I feel like it was just right. Like grungy is almost a better term because I feel like edge is like to me means that they're 
like throwing skulls and shit in just to be like, we're that cool. There's a character we'll discuss later that I think is a beautiful example about why this, what I'd call Edge, feels so organic that your opinion of it doesn't really even feel like Edge is great because Edge should work where it doesn't feel like it's out of place at all, right? You can't point it and be like, yep, that's just Edge for Edge's sake. Um, but there's a character that embodies that, and we'll talk about that later. But our setting is it's called the hole the hole so basically this whole kind of show revolves around kind of demons sorcerers and then humans right humans are all in the hole they and they call they i found out too they call the hole the entire human realm right, right yeah this is just one fat city like very industrialized tight alleyways beautifully grungy aesthetic and it could be one of my favorite backdrops of shows since maybe Made in Abyss. These backdrops were beautifully done. Um, I, I almost felt like it was, you know that scene in Megalobox where that kid is just kind of looking out over the city? Yeah. That's kind of what I felt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like, a, um, imagine Ghost in the Shell City. But like less tech, almost? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah less tech, but also a little bit like, random trash and skeletons and shit all over the place oh yeah death and crime is just kind of baked into the to the holes environment and you kind of just make peace with that it's like honestly really hard to explain like the the setting but it is so um endearing is not the word but it it makes you it's immersive it feels immersive yeah there are some times where setting can just be a backdrop like isekais have this problem a lot if you there's that meme where like they show four different starting cities in an isekai and they almost all look identical yeah it's just (laughs) it's just a backdrop in a lot of shows to let the characters shine or the story shine but in dora hetero the setting itself elevates everything in the show um but we do start in the hole and we're following around a guy named kaiman kaiman is a little bit pissed off at the sorcerer squad for kind of uh, doing something uncouth to his body. Yeah, so uh, just really quick, this is obviously very spoiler heavy. Oh, yeah, you're going to get spoilers for days. Yeah. Um, but we're going to try to stick to only like the first couple of episodes for a little bit of, the, of this episode, and then we'll tell you when we get like to actual, actual spoilers. Right. Um, but yeah, in the beginning, Kaiman has the head of a like lizard slash crocodile, essentially. It's almost, it's dragon-esque. But instead of like something down his spine, he's got spikes all over his head, and, and he's uh, got like a big ass human body. Yes, he is a clearly a beefy boy supreme, and we see him in the first episode hunting down sorcerers specifically with a partner and best girl of the whole show, in my opinion, Nikaido. Of course, she is. She almost looked like this midwestern farm girl. It's really funny how this show is so good about fan service that there's almost no sexualization of anybody whatsoever. There are very small, tiny bits of that, and it's almost always in service of comedic relief. And we can talk Mm. about that a little later. But when it comes to her as the main female, I guess I would say I don't agree with that literally at all. Okay, well, yeah, we'll we'll get into it. I I think she because she's always in like a jumpsuit. She's kicking straight ass every time she's on screen. She hits hard. She knows martial arts like nobody's business. So her and Kaiman, we see them in the first episode hunting down sorcerers. And his main motive is he wants to find out who did this to his head. Because who in the did hole, this? That in the hole, sorcerers come there for a very specific reason. Experimentation of their magic on unsuspecting humans yeah and they basically have a quota from the sorcerer realm that they come through in magically operating doors to practice their magic a lot of newbies come there to practice magic they have to hit a quota and then they're allowed to come back um so he was a victim to one of these and some of these victims are affected in wildly varying degrees i mean some of them are turned into bugs to the point of non-recognition some people get a, the lucky end of the stick, as one character we'll talk about later does, and everything in between. So Kaiman not only like was given a head replacement to be a Komodo-san, but he is also devoid of his memories before this experimentation. So he's trying to find the source that did that, 
to also regain his memories about what the hell actually happened. And Ethan, how does he interrogate these sorcerers? So anytime he comes up against a sorcerer, he'll bite their head. And then he's got a head inside of his mouth that will tell them whether they are or are not the one that he's. And if they aren't the one, they're getting sliced. They're getting shivved, stabbed, and butchered in every way possible. I mean, this this star, if you're not a Dora Hetero fan or haven't seen it yet, and you're already thinking, what the fuck, welcome to the club. Because this show is beautifully left field in every capacity. Story, characters, design, and uh, shit, I mean, even setting. So, buckle up, because we're going to talk about some weird stuff. So, I love this premise, because... I like their take on magic's influence in a non-magic space. A lot of shows, the magic introduced does cause a lot of help sometimes, but also a lot of harm. This one seems like a direct harm to humanity, and they have resided themselves to just being that we can't stop them. We can't do anything. Everyone's just like, oh no, this, this guy got experimented on. Shit, there goes another one. There, are, there really is no opposition. At least not at the time of the show, right? Um, I don't know if I've ever thought... I never like thought of it like that, I guess. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would say that would back up your point is they have no... Con- they can't reverse the adverse refe- uh, effects on their world. Mm-hmm. So, like, random shit keeps happening in, in the whole, like, entire cities just explode into some, you know... Yeah. You know, mushroom death land or <laughs> yeah you know all these certain things will happen and there's no real way for these humans to really combat that kind of thing yeah but they, there are like humans that kill sorcerers so from they, that respect i don't i guess i don't agree and then the um there's this doctor that does basically when people get experimented on they go to this doctor's clinic doctor uh vuza or something like that nah, i don't know something like that i honestly don't know any of their names except for in Shin, Noi, and uh, Bizu, Vegeta, yeah, and uh, some other ones. <laughs> no, that's and Johnson. <laughs> and, and, oh, we'll talk about Johnson. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but yeah. So he basically to help them with their transition to you know insect head or something like that. They go to this uh, doctor's office down in the hole, and then they like kind of they help subside some of the side effects of being experimented on yeah there they is, can never like reverse it there is one way to reverse a spell on a person and that is to kill the sorcerer that casted it um there's a scene early on where you kind of get you kind of get glimpses this is a great example of visual storytelling as the first couple episodes happen you do see glimpses of victims of magical uh experimentation and a lot of them seem bug related but as the show goes on, you realize uh, more and more about, you know, the magic uh, itself in the world and how it works and operates. And you realize that the power is very specific to an individual. It got a little bit of Hunter X Hunter vibes. It kind of seems to exude whatever personality you already have. Um, but we get a scene where a novice magician or sorcerer comes in to the bar slash restaurant that Nikaido owns called the hungry bug. And he basically turns her into a bug and Kaiman when killing this, uh, this sorcerer, not only does she go back, but all of the victims that were bug related go back in the hospital. He works at, they go back to being normal and they're revived. So that is your only way. And I think that kind of is why Kaiman's out to kill the sorcerer to get his head back. So to reverse all this bullshit, um, Kaiman's got another actually interesting skill in this world. He seems to be magic immune. And no one really knows why. Yeah, I'd say that's like one part of the story. They did a really poor job of like expounding upon, really. Yeah. And or really utilizing in any real way. They keep mentioning it, but there's not like a lot of instances where people are trying to, you know, do stuff to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say. That's kind of like one of the biggest issues with this show is it's very, very scatterbrained. It's extreme. Yeah, that's a good point. It's the way they tell their story. Sometimes you can get really lost in the weeds. I mean, they they kind of just give you new information, but it's never in a way that 
always feel super organized. So you're like having to track like four stories in your head all at the same time. Right. But I mean, like you said, it is a 20 plus year old um, story. And it went on for like, it went on for like almost 20 years. So, I mean, it's, it's, oh no, uh, it's 20 years old. Sure. But its runtime was that entire duration. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so much world building that the mangaka did that we're clearly not going to get in one season. It's just not going to happen. But I think like it almost feels like the show expects you to know a lot of that stuff almost, at least in the beginning. Like yeah. I think I think they do like they really hop you in the middle of the story and they do a poor job in the very beginning of really explaining what's going on that well. I know a lot of people's criticism of this show so far has been through like the first four episodes. They have no clue what's going on. Yeah, that's um, a good point. And, and like that might just be individual like user error, to be honest, because like I obviously didn't know exactly the the overarching plot or like what happened, but I was following and I was tracking what yeah. they were like spitting at us. I, I think they took those first four episodes to set up the pieces to knock them down, right? I mean, you were drinking from a fire hose the first four, but I equate that kind of storytelling to it invaded. They do the same exact kind of thing. First four episodes, a lot of stuff seems assumed like, oh, you should know this is how sorcerers work or you should know how this technology works. And they just talk to each other like that the audience would know. But at the same time, I think that makes for more organic character chat that they're not just exposizing everything all the time to each other when it's known that they should know this stuff. They live in that world. So, um, yeah, I understand the criticism. I don't prescribe to it because you're right. I didn't get too lost all the time. There were moments where I'm like, wait, hold on. Was he here? Or what was he? Yeah, what was his so motive there? We can talk about that later, but I sure. I think I know what you're talking about. That character was such a bad addition to the show, in my opinion. Mm. Um, <laughs> We'll definitely talk about it because now I'm thinking we have two different possible additions that we're talking about. Um, Okay, we'll talk about it in... I mean, we're getting close to the part where we're talking about real, real spoilers. Yeah. But before we do that, let's just kind of like, if somebody's thinking about watching this, let's try to sell it. Yes. Um, this... I mean, I think you, you should watch this for sure, because not only the setting, I think it is one of the most, not immersive, like I cannot find the right word for this, but one of the most um, interesting settings. Yeah, this is going to be something you haven't seen in a long, long time. This has a feel of old school anime and setting and story because it is, in fact, 20 years old. Like, this story is 20 years old. And that's, I think... It feels like um, there's this arc in One Piece thriller bark. Thriller bark, okay. Which is, basically, there's these, these characters that can reanimate the dead. Whoa. And so it's like okay, this cool. big island of zombies, essentially. Is that the is that the one where Luffy gets stuffed with a bunch of them, and he becomes Nightmare Luffy, stuffed with a bunch of them? He turns super blue and super big, and he calls himself Nightmare Luffy. Yeah, maybe. Okay, I watched a bunch of fights on <laughs> <laughs> fights on YouTube for One Piece just so I can get a little taste. Um, but like, so it's sort of that feel where it's like a horror core is the only word I can really think of for it, but it it doesn't really do it justice in my opinion because I don't think it's like, it's not horror for the sake of horror. It's like a uh, kind of a Halloween vibe almost. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah, there's the, there's an episode in here where basically uh, that the magic that the sorcerers use, what it looks like is like a black smoke. And yeah. we do see this from like the outset. And it turns out that the magic itself has m- a much more physical property to it than a lot of magic in other shows. It's not very ethereal. It's physical. It has residue. It sticks. And in the whole, because of all this residue, once a year, the dead does reanimate itself. And there is a competition that's made by the city that we're in that, you know, people can sign up and be zombie killers for a night. And you can win prizes based on how many chips you take out of the back of their neck because it's like their tag. Um, That kind of that right there, that kind of shit is what I'm trying to get at is shows like this take a gamble because they don't they don't drop you into a world and that is then struck by a calamity this world has already been calamitized calamitized you are dropped into a world already in progress it feels extremely lived in the the whole world is 
filled to the brim with stuff going on outside of your story that you know makes the world feel fleshed out and dense and real a lot of shows well i think a good part about it though is like the way the characters react as a result of these things is not like they're all depressed it's not like you know they live in the slums and they all feel like shit it's like they kind of learn to live in their their environment and they do like they feel it feels like happy-go-lucky sometimes even though in this like relatively horror type uh environment right like specifically with a zombie fight uh or zombie hunt yeah like they're all like having a blast and there's there's like prizes and shit yeah but you can still you could be turned into a zombie it's it's essentially what we mentioned before is that the this world being experimentation ground for the sorcerers has been going on for so long that the people that live in it didn't just become complacent with it they're trying to make the best of a situation they know that they're so under-equipped to handle that what are you gonna what can you do against powerful sorcerers except just hope you don't get zapped and live a life the best you can in a in a magic torn world um yeah i mean so even even uh without the overarching mystery and plot i think it would be still enjoyable to watch to be honest yeah it's so it's great I, I mean if you haven't seen it yet I, I suggest you do so because not only is there that like sort of episodic behavior where you know they could be doing something random every episode yeah but there is that overarching through line that you know appears about episode i mean it appears in the first episode but we don't get any real progress up so like four ish yeah the the main plot doesn't just take a back seat to some of the hijinks that go on that's always in the mind of kaiman like he's even when he's out there like doing debaucherous shit like the whole baseball episode Oh, that was so great. That was such a good episode. It had really nothing too much to do with his main mission of finding the one sorcerer, but there were other reasons for others to gather there and, you know, make a uh, a stand on a baseball game. And it's, it's great. I, I think another reason you should want to watch this show is I've never seen a show in a long, long time, I would say. There have been shows that do this. That even in this horror core kind of signing heavily inspired world, the writing doesn't shy away from comedy, but it doesn't beat you over the head with it, right? Where there is a place to interject comedy, they do so in a very masterful way. I was finding myself laughing at some of these scenes, and that's rare for an anime to make me actually out loud laugh. Um, and I, I like the way they balance this kind of edgy horror heaviness sometimes with the super light comedy right in the same situation. The example I have is um, the character will talk about uh, Noi, who basically was holding a dead body in a trash bag, but she couldn't find the good high quality ones at the store. And she got excited and whipped the bag up and the bag just spilled with blood and guts and everything. And then uh, her partner looks back at her like, the f- this is why we get the good bags and clean this shit up like the double bag it like what are you doing you're an a- you're a professional act like it so i felt that was such a funny moment for me because it was in the midst of a murder scene and then boom comedy so this balancing act is very very well done in dora hetero so do you like comedy and gore why not why not yeah i mean i wouldn't say i was like busting the gut or anything but i said i would say if there was a levity to it that made it more interesting to watch for sure like if it was all horror all blood and guts like i think it would be less of a show for sure it'd be very yeah. subtractive it's, it's, but um the comedy aspect did was extremely additive to the show yeah um if you had to rate it like what would you say man i was thinking about this the whole ride over here um i almost i would say 88 i wanted to give it a 90 or even higher but I'm going to keep coming back to this and it's getting better, but the CG now hold, hold on. This is some of the best CG I've seen in an anime in a long time. And I love this Neo wave of CGI that's happening right now. I still see where it falters sometimes are in high action fight scenes. You can tell that there is a a lack of fluidity in animation when it's all generated by a computer. It is fluid, but it's kind of what you said in other CG but shows in the past, there seemed to be a disconnect for me, right? They don't even feel like they're in the world. They're kind of set on top of it. In some fights, like Sheen versus Kaiman the first time they meet, that CGI didn't look too great for me, and there's a couple examples of that. But there are other fights they have in the show that are 2D that look amazing, absolutely insanely amazing. So 
I'm going to go with 88 because everything else was spectacular. Where would you put it? Hmm, that's interesting. Um, I didn't feel that really at all from the CG. That's fair. I felt like it was definitely one of the better um, forays into CGI that they've had in anime. Mm-hmm. Um, it this felt really Mappa. fluid. This is Mappa, right? I think this is Mappa. It is Mappa. They're they're out here slinging some good they stuff. They had uh, there's a couple instances like in In City where there'd be a a little building or something with a Mappa sign on it. Yeah, which I love shit like that. All just like all of the um, manhole covers had Mappa on it too. Yeah, yeah, that's I love that shit. That's cool. Um, so I will say the op is kind of like a psychedelical psychedelic uh kind of screamo type beat. that that op is so whack that's one of the few i never skipped i never skipped that op oh well i did I, the <laughs> it's first, great the, i mean obviously i listened to it the first time it was pretty solid but the ed at least near the end i don't know if it's the same the whole way through was like potentially one of the best eds i've ever heard it was really good i think really, that was really the, the second half one i think there might have been two halves yeah it's like the uh it's like kind of a rappy yeah yeah, it, it felt a lot like the Megalobox rap almost, which was like felt grungy and like staticky. It was, and this one felt very similar. Um, but I would give it a ninety, actually. Okay, I thought this show was really, really good. There's some problems I had with it that we're going to talk about right when we finish this first half, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, overall, the story, you know, it wasn't the tightest of things. It was sort of nebulous and you know amorphous at times. But I think it's just, you know, a first season kind of first foray into the world from an anime right. perspective. So I'm not going to like hold it against it too bad. And like, I think they did a lot to like set a really solid foundation for anything else they had to do. Oh, like, yeah. Like the story didn't fully resolve in this first season, which is great. But I think we have enough progress to feel like it was worth watching. Yeah. And if, I think um, it finished at a very good stopping point. Like, you know, the story is not over but where it ends is a very clean break and it's it's nice because it focuses on Kaiman and Nikaido and their relationship which we'll get into in a second yeah i mean um, i think i think they probably needed to do a little bit more to give like another half of the story okay you know what i, I mean cuz yeah, it does got, feel like they're pretty close to like a terminus for this plot line yeah so it's like i would have liked maybe more of a a larger story you know maybe I think the one thing that they did do, and this isn't super spoilery, um, it's like they've kind of added this element of different factions of devils, it seems like. Yeah. And then In's kind of whole role in the world, I think, is what really the rest of the the show is probably expounding upon. Exactly. And I think season two is um, going to explore, I think, they're going to pivot their sights on another set of characters because i think the second half really focused on nikaido and you know her past and the fact that like her placement in the sorcerer's world like how truly rare she is and there's a couple moments that they do very i think brilliantly sprinkling in without outright telling us her impact and what her speciality is as a sorcerer and how impactful that can be for any powerful faction in the sorcerer world I mean, shit, the most powerful one was seeking her out directly for nefarious reasons of, of any kind. But um, So I actually think they handled her very poorly, so we can talk okay. about that right now. But right like, now, we're getting into spoilers. Here is, we're, we're going off. It's a spoiler city, USA. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it. You are going to do yourself a serious favor at seeing one of the sleeper gems of this year, arguably a anime of the year contender given how I see things going. So probably top three for me this year. Yeah. Easy. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so now we're on spoiler time. All right. Spoiler time, baby. Spoiler time, baby. So now we can really like, you we know, can really rip it off. You know? Spill the fucking tea. Spill the freaking beans. Uh Oh, I said beans again. Oh, Christ. <laughs> it's happening all over again. Okay. So w- first thing I think it'd be smart to do is just run down the, the main characters in this show. We've already talked about Kaiman and Nikaido. Um, we kind of give a little bit of a spoilerly kind of thing, uh, that she is in fact a sorcerer. She is a sorcerer in hiding, scared of, you know, the forces that be in the sorcerer realm trying to use her powers nefariously. She doesn't even say she's a strong sorcerer. She just says she's rare. Uh, in what way do you feel like they handled her character negatively? Cause I'm actually curious now. So. 
they did a good job showing like, oh, she's got a really rare ability, a really powerful ability, whatever. Mm-hmm. They never show it. I think that's I think that's a plus, in my opinion. I absolutely couldn't stand it. Well, th- that's the thing, right? Is the entire her entire character arc is to try to defy her origins as a sorcerer by never using her magic, right? And I think at the end of the season, okay, but when N puts his contract inside of her and can yeah. control her, yeah, you would think he'd start doing some time magicy shit, considering it was very, very obvious that he had some plan, you right. know, that he was attempting to use her for. I don't think a lot of time elapsed between the the Blue Night Party and, or is it Blue Heaven? That party, Blue Night, where, Blue Night Party, and when uh, Kaiman comes to save her. I don't think enough time has passed for him to actually start enacting shit. I think it was like over a week. But what what get yeah, but what gets me is he took it on her word that she is this time sorcerer. I think that's where my No, he didn't. So okay, so they who, analyzed her magic. Okay, so they analyzed her magic and saw it. Because remember she went to the like uh basically the drug dealer magic guy. Oh yeah. Where yeah, you yeah. can like give samples of your smoke, they appraise it and pay you for it. Yeah. And the rarer the smoke, the more pure the smoke, the better. Right. And so hers is obviously ridiculous. So he was like, holy shit, I'll give you literally everything I have. All the money I have. And then she beats him and takes the money and the smoke. Yeah. Thug. Life. Right there. She was a great character. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I really enjoyed her in the show. And she's obviously, you know, show waifu. But I would say her magic seemed to be really useless and she never used it even when she was in dire need i think that's for me i was just thinking like her not using it in these moments even after the devil asu who she's friends with like for unexplainable uh, unexplainable reasons reasons, i think they, they they just go back and um he says you realize you can end all of this with your magic right and and in the face of that understanding she's like i'm very well aware but i just can't i can't expose that like for the world to see to people. And the thing is, so people knew and found out that she's the one, but her resolve on not using it added to her character about how she really, really, you know, she breaks the mold of sorcerers. While all these humans hate sorcerers. She wants to be one of the humans. And there's not many that want to do that. So her being like that as a character is a great out of place, uh, exception to the sorcerer rule i mean it might have just been me but that was not really appealing to me that was not an appealing portion of her character to me okay i'm until maybe they expound upon her past and like why exactly she's being so let's just say gallant about her you know non-use of magic Mm -hmm. i don't think it has any real weight to just be like well i don't want to use it and it's like well your friends got killed you know they got captured by in Seems like if you're gonna use it, this isn't exactly a now negative. Is, now time is, to yeah, do now it. is the time, right? Yeah, my and friend's then, about to be cut up into pieces. I don't know if I should use my OP magic though, right? Remember yeah. when they came into her house and just started fucking everyone up? Yeah, and it's like, why would you not use it then? And then also, I think her magic directly would negate no noise. Oh yeah, because if she can control time freely, she can just speed up aging. Um, or well, Noi can basically regenerate people, which is like also ridiculous. That is so OP. It's it's crazy, and it's not like oh she'll heal faster. It's like no, she's good. Like yeah, good yeah, now, yeah. right now. And I really enjoyed her and Shin's um, partnership. One of the I think one of the highlights of the whole of the whole show. I think it was a highlight for me. It was great, and like how they they use each other's powers like extremely well. It's that that's like they're the ideal partnering in the sorcerer world i think and that showing them and how they became partners was great so we're the cleaners so uh, one of the highlights i think as a meta highlight of this show is how well they fleshed out in just the 12 episodes how well they fleshed out the sorcerer side of things you know there's this beautiful kind of uh visual dichotomy between the whole rustic beaten down you know almost kind of a you know it looks like it's there just as a survival place there is no flourishing there but in the sorcery world everything is gleaming the sun's always shining hell i mean in the whole it only rains because of the sorcerer's abuse of that realm and its people all it only rains because of that and it's all this and basically all sorcerers hate the rain because it's this melding of residue of smoke in that world and it rains and sorcerers are affected by that 
which is interesting. And um, the other thing about the sorcerer's side is sorcerers every four years have an opportunity to basically find or even just steal a partner. And one of these devils has the power to enforce a mutual contract that requires a mutual signing of a contract that is implanted in each other, which is used to feel the feelings and the personal emotions of the sorcerer you're paired with, but also it can be abused to command them to do things they don't want to do. They're linked for better or worse. Um, and the idea is you're supposed to find a partner that maximizes your powers and yours theirs. Enter Sheen and Noi. Probably the two, some of the two best characters this entire show. I want, to talk, I want to talk Noi first. We already talked a little bit about her. She is this Amazonian goddess of a woman who is walking death by Snoo Snoo, but she is super funny. She's super outspoken, and her magic is she can heal anybody, anything, as long as it's alive, I think, right? There's no after death thing with her. No, she can't bring people back to death, but they can be literally like on the fringe of death, and she can fully repair them. Yes. Um, there is... I think the closest parallel for like a, a visual of her would be a white-haired Zarya. Oh yeah, white whitehead Zarya, or like a like a full grown Bisky from uh, Hunter X Hunter, just with the less of a JoJo face, but the physique, yeah, maybe. Is, the physique is there. Um, but she's super cool. But I like her partner Shin more. His backstory is great. Okay, let me ask you this. Okay, did you think Shin and Nikaido were brother and sister? Yes, they look yes, identical. I, did. I totally thought so. I still don't not think that. Yeah, I just feel like maybe they would have said something by now, or even Asu the demon would have said something. My theory is, well, Sheen is the other half of that pair. His magic is he can dissect and cut things up without necessarily killing it. It's a very gruesome power that I think was born of his upbringing. He is a boy who is half sorcerer, half human. His father was a human. And he grew up in the hole at the time when there was a unified police force called the Neighborhood Watch. And basically, they came and found out that he, in fact, is a, he's a, he's a sorcerer because he was cut in his dad's shop and black smoke started to pour out, which caused the shop owner to call the Neighborhood Watch. And his mother is already dead or gone. Very poor explanation on that, I'll right. be honest. His sorcerer mother is out of the picture. They take his dad and kill him, and he... For a background episode. Yeah. It felt like they did like a lot of skipping around They did for a lot him. of skipping around. I think they showed the stuff relevant to his upbringing as a sorcerer now. Well, my, I like almost don't even really get it still. I, I kind of do. I mean, there was this crazy prejudice, and there was that was like the last... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. like, I don't know anything about his family still. Right. Which is why my theory is after he went nuts and started killing all of these neighborhood watch police that were oh, hunting yeah. down sorcerers, he then basically got his arms cut off or he cut his arms off looking for his smoke tubes, which are biological tubes running through every sorcerer. They are biologically different to the point where they claim to be a different species, but they can make and mate and procreate. So that's not true. Um, but he chopped his arms all the way up to his elbows trying to look for his smoke tubes. And he found his way to a sorcerer professor. Um, name escapes me right now. Kaz Kazukage or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. He was experimented on and he got the good end of the stick because he used to be 60 some years old and got transformed into a kid. Which is pretty fucking yeah, bad. Yeah, he can just live forever. He can just live forever. He's probably my fave character he's other cool. than uh, Shin and Noi. He's cool. So he helps Shin find his tubes. And then as a repayment, he says, I'm not going to kill you. I will protect you. But he says, okay, but you have to come back and show me your magic. At some point, he's like, deal. He then sends a bunch of eviscerated, dissected neighborhood watch police guys still alive all the same time. Like the next day, 40 of them come into the guy's hospital. And he's like, Oh, yeah, that's this kid. That's this kid for sure. So Shin had a pretty rough past, and he grew up to be a pretty cool guy despite all that. He's pretty laid back. Yeah, he's actually like a absolute bro, even though he's like a big-time murderer. You know, he's like a <laughs> very, yeah. very dangerous guy, but uh, pretty cool in general. The, 
there was a backstory moment between the two of them where they explained that basically how they become partners. Yeah. And I think they did a pretty poor job of explaining what the other two's deal was. So there's the these two, two guys. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. That were trying to take them because they had really insane abilities or something, mm-hmm. and they wanted to make them their partner. But <laughs> I don't know. I felt like that was that storyline was just haberdasherly thrown in there, and it yeah. didn't like really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I I think it it just showed how they learned to synergize and. The way they fight is so Dorohedero style. Basically, Shin rushes in with the hammer he killed his dad with, by the way. Yeah. So metal. Um, we didn't kill his dad. He killed the first wave of police with a freaking hammer when he found his dad dead in his house. But he bum rushes people with a hammer and Noi backs him up with her smoke. So any injuries he incurs on the way in to his bum rush are instantly healed. So he's basically invincible in any rush with Noi. It's so overpowered, and he just comes up to you and just cracks you in the temple with a hammer, and you're lights out, baby. Gone. Right. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. Hell yeah. So, I I think that whole team, I wouldn't even call them, and I wouldn't even call them villains. They're kind of just working on the behalf of the structure that they know. They're not really bad people. They have a job to do. They're more, you know, lighthearted mercenaries, and they are, like, really bad people. I don't think a lot of these people are bad. On the on the villain team, N probably. I mean, even N. Y- yeah, we, we saw his backstory through like what I think was potentially the coolest um, character exposition moment I've seen in a very long time. Yes, where so N is this basically mob boss essentially? He's the really f- big, powerful. He might be the biggest family in the social world, and he's one of the most powerful ones in the realm. Yeah, I think. for sure, and. He was so rich that he started just putting out like massive amounts of propaganda. Yes. And he made this movie like a basically an autobiography about his life. It was pretty cool. And near the end of the show, they literally show you stuff about N through his movie that he created. And he's it's like, great. it's not done yet. And like, <laughs> um, but basically, he had a really effed up childhood where he basically was like a slave and they just like pumped all his, his smoke out. And sent him to hell, and he ended up surviving in hell by himself. Like, his magic is he makes mushrooms. in People into mushrooms, sprout mushrooms, but his power comes from, you know, any sorcerer's power comes from how much smoke you can produce. He can produce so much that when he gets pissed, he can't even control it, and it seems almost endless, which is nearly unheard of with any sorcerer. Um, so he down there survived by eating the mushrooms off his magic such a badass move and then he was found right and adopted uh i don't know if he was adopted but that demon with the skull mask yeah who yeah, seems yeah. to be like a very high-ranking devil mm-hmm. um found him and was like hey dude <laughs> i didn't think a human could survive in hell but somebody's mentioned it i had to come check it out i had to see it for myself and uh from there he kind of uh, basically empowered him to go on his his like um his, his revenge kind yeah. of trail where he went and tried to find everyone that did did like experiments on sorcerers yeah and basically killed all of them and he like created his crime family through that end where he would you know basically he would liberate all these people that got were getting uh tortured yes and he would just in, in basically envelop them into his family. And uh, that was kind of the main main idea of like his rise to power. And then, I mean, there's like some really entangling with the Kaiman's, Kaiman's backstory near the end here. Yeah. And that entangling came from, you know, he is on the lookout for I me. Mean, he calls the lizard guy because for the longest time in the show, he doesn't actually know who this guy is, but he knows he needs to find him and kill him. and. We do find out some stuff through the work of End and his End and his crew, you know, some more details that kind of feed into the overall mystery. So the guy in the mouth of Kaiman was tracked down by N and his uh, cronies, essentially, uh, to be this guy named Ritsu. And I, I don't even know. There's part of me that I have a theory that I don't think Ritsu is Kaiman. I think no. Ka- Kaiman is that uh, his, I, uh, Akaido. Akaido or Akawa. Aikawa. That's Aikawa. Right. 
Yeah, because the headache. Well, at least that's his body. The headaches. Um, the fact that he was somehow that it looked like he was the one who stabbed, um, Ankaido at the end. It, he was okay. Yeah, that's what he looked like, and um, that's the mystery. We still haven't solved anything. We know that Ritsu's involved. We know that this crew of drug dealers essentially called the red crosses i think uh the cross eyes the cross eyes that's it they so all have basically red they sell yeah. this drug that allows you to use more magic than even you have or more smoke i guess we should start calling it mm-hmm. and magical, um, magical bath salts essentially <laughs> actually like basically a perfect parallel <laughs> and so um there's this group of cross eyes, and this guy Ritsu is apparently like one of their 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 runners, essentially. Yeah, couriers of sorts. And Aikawa is his friend. Aikawa is apparently not affected by magic. Uses a big ass knife and absolutely wrecks everybody. And I I think what my theory is now that we're in spoiler territory. My theory is because Kaiman has the red crosses on his eyes to signify he's part of this crew. I think. Ritsu was killed for some kind of nefarious, bigger reason than he knew. Akawa basically kind of got savvy to it and infiltrated and was found out. Basically, he infiltrated because he couldn't use a lot of magic, but he could fake that he didn't have a lot. And he infiltrated the cross eyes. He got found out for his his looking into and he was taken care of. Hmm. I think he's the one that destroyed most of N's family, so I don't know if that really tracks. To be you don't, you don't think me. so? Hmm. I think something happened to him in that final battle against N, where N ends up blowing up that entire city. You remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, "I thought I got him. You know, turned him into a mushroom too." But then he saw him headless walking through a door. Oh right, because I'm wondering. Because I'm curious. In that was Aikawa that absolutely wrecked everyone in his family. Yes, but. I just keep going back to if they clearly are showing it, showing us Akawa. At what point did he gain the red the red crosses on his eyes? Right, there needs to be something that happened in the middle somewhere of the story. Well, they're claiming Ibisu was the one that actually changed his head into Crocodile Land. Yeah, right. Which <laughs> that was mentioned and then not talked about ever again. Yeah. He, he, um. Uh, but since Ritsu is the guy inside his mouth. I don't know what the deal is. Right. There's, I mean, that's like the really the, the only mystery really left is what exactly happened with Aikawa at the end where his head got chopped off and then how did he get this new head that has cross eyes and shit on it? I wonder, I wonder if Ritsu's head got put onto Aikawa's body because the spikes and everything, but the headaches and every, I think there is a merging of the two. That's why I think Ritsu's involved at all as the man inside of his mouth. But I don't think that the body that's inhabiting it is him, or maybe not entirely. I think Akawa and Ritsu had some kind of, you know, fucked up magical experimentation done to try to save his life. And that's, that's, this is total headcanon. This is total headcanon. I would agree, except for they literally found Ritsu's head in a safe. Right, right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of details that are left out. I, I don't know. Anyway, not a fan of Ritsu's character. This is the guy I was talking about. Yeah, um, I'm not a big fan either. Um, so he he seems to have, like, honestly, a big part to play. And then they reanimate him with this, this other character's ability to reanimate the dead. Yeah, right. And they give him this, like, cyborg body that runs, runs off smoke. <laughs> that is that's pretty funny. And he's running around looking for somebody. He walks past Kaiman. They have this like weird thing happen between yeah. the two of them, and then they just go their separate ways, and we never see Ritsu again. Yeah, and I, this is one of those pieces of media that I I'm trying to reserve a little bit of judgment because of how much source material there is, and you know, just the fact that it's only a season one. You know, they I don't think they handled a lot of the left out information incredibly well. But I definitely feel like, yep, they're laying a groundwork. We're going to learn a lot of stuff in season two. I think we're going to turn our gaze away from Nikaido onto uh, more on Kaiman, kind of for the entire season. Because I think we're going to, now that we know all the players of a potential situation, because now we know about Akawa, we know about Ritsu, and we know that Kaiman doesn't feel like he's either of them or, you know, 
who's think, alive, who's not. It's a weird. It's very clear to me that season two is going to be about N coming back to get Nikaido back. I think they can't have that. Th- I, I, if they're smart, they can't have that through line for another whole season. There is no way in. Okay, maybe not the whole season, but I think it's going to be a large majority of season two because Turkey is now in Nikaido at the end. Yeah, it's yeah. never going to stick. Yeah, that's true. And I think, I don't know, I would really wish that, I think they will go into Nikaido's past a lot more as well. For they, sure. They Hopefully. Have to, they have to. Explain I mean, why he looks exactly like Shin. My other theory on that is they share the same mother. Potentially. That's my, that's my thought. We never hear anything else about uh, Nikaido's mom or really her fam. She assumed, I thought they may have assumed that they were dead or something. Like, she just resided herself to leave. So and what's the deal with her and the devil? Like, why is that devil like literally simping for harder than shit? He is a devil simp for sure, dude. And um, that brings up an interesting. The one thing I do want to talk about as well is the devil's role in masks in this world. Okay, before we finish, do that. Just okay, really fast. Okay, that last scene where Kaiman as Aikawa or whatever stabs her in the back and yeah. then reveals her contract. Yeah, that was so sick that was awesome showing this is a physical piece of the other person's body well and it just feels like like that might be aikawa's like skill is to like negate contracts through like literally stabbing right to where it is he did yeah he did actually like pinpoint on that i don't know it just seems like too much of a coincidence to be a coincidence yeah and it would take a sorcerer's knowledge yeah. to know about this stuff so that's yeah something's, something's a little some, fucky going some, on something's, uh, what kind of fuckery is this y'all um, so back to the devils. Yeah, yeah. So the devils are an interesting role, and I think that they're going to get a much bigger part to play in uh, season two. Agreed. Um, I honestly think my other theory is that sorcerers are the spawn of like devils and humans at some point because devils are they are so powerful. They seem to be the source of incredible amounts of magic or smoke, and there's some biological process that gives sorcerers the uh, ability to use magic at all i think they might have some kind of other like piece like an organ or something biological inside of them and i think that might have been propagated through devils and humans at some point in the past getting it on and then you know that we're going to see the history of sorcerers as a whole but the devil's part to play in all this is very interesting you'll see in this show that every sorcerer seems to have a mask and i mean like some grotesque some like super cool some just a bag on their head. Um, but apparently you are giving devils to gain your mask. They're almost like conduit powers, power enhancing. Um, there is a throwaway kind of line in there with like Shin getting his mask and all that, where he offers something up to a devil. It eats it and then gives back a mask. Um, Cause Asu makes a mask for uh, Nikaido when she is, contracted to n and says this will help your magic amp- be amplified so they can grant a little more honing power to sorcerers through masks and it's kind of a it's kind of a status symbol right i mean crazier masks with the more of the elites kind of seem to be a uh, seem to be a thing like all these school kids out here have bullshit masks and all the rich have these amazing like status symbol masks so um yeah i mean i guess that makes sense yeah maybe it's just like whichever demon your devil you're talking to you know like the higher ranked ones will give you sicker masks or something like that because like uh fujita who's the guy who can make those meat pies he just has like a normal baklava as his mask yeah 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 yeah. which you know it's pretty funny it's pretty funny um and like i want to see the devil's hierarchy fleshed out more because remember while Asu had to go answer to the contract devil at some point yeah she's calling me i cannot deny this i have to go and i'm like oh really why do you have to go is there a chain of command or is it literally might is right sort of system with devils well i mean they've they've showed zero power or anything from the devils everyone just seems to follow with whatever they do yeah, yeah. and they did show earlier like no noi was in training to become a devil and she like ended up having to bail on it at the very last second to save Shin's life, but uh, it seemed like that was like a high, um, high calling. Yeah, it was right, like a right. really, really important you know job to do, and people were like, "Oh wow, you're gonna be a devil? That's so cool!" Asu really is the devil sent. 
Like he yeah. just he just at everyone's beck and call. Like and but he still flexes on him. Like you know, I can send you to hell, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to go to hell? Don't no, 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 you're fucking right. test me today, dude. <laughs> you're right, like, bro, you're right. Uh, who else? Abizu is a little interesting. I'm curious to see her part to play because it's been a, it's not it's been more than alluded to. Like she has the ability to do reptile transformations, and anyone in the middle of the season should be ding, ding, ding. She has the exact magic that would be doing this to Kaiman, but their introduction to the black market for smoke makes me curious. The fact that they found so much of her smoke at that shop, right? I think it could be possible that someone like else acquired some of hers as a one-time application, right? I don't think she had any part to directly play in his in Kaiman's transformation. I think someone picked up her smoke. So here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And we're kind of running out of time here, so I'm going to keep it relatively short and probably we're going to have to start winding down. But yes, sir. What I think is they used Abisu's magic to make Kaiman grow a head. Because but, her, but her magic, yeah. reptiles can regrow limbs and shit. Mm-hmm. And so I think they just made that head regrow, and it just happened to be um, you know, a, right. a lizard-looking head. And what I kind of think is Aikawa was in the cross-eyes at some point, right, right. realized that it was fucked up, and tried to bail. But then his buddy Ritsu got involved, and so he's like still has to stay involved and try to like kill off the cross eyes. Hell yeah. That that actually would be a pretty good track. Cause I mean and and that also that magic use also tracks because that there's some point where he gets his head cut off in a confrontation, Kaiman, and he grows his head back. Like all the way. Which is awesome. I don't recall that. Remember he gets his head cut off at the club. And then they actually take his old head after he grows a new one and looks inside of the throat to That's try to right. see if the man in the mouth is there. But his head got stolen in the dark by somebody. That's right. Yeah. So, there, again, I think my as we wind down, I think my one knock of this show is they're really brilliant about introducing new threads and clues organically, but tying them up. Well, it's just so many. I don't. Think, so, like, I right. don't know how they're gonna ever clean up all the stories that they're introducing and all the through lines. Yes, because like, so we got maybe a third of the strings opened close. We got a lot of the answers from these things, but you're right. They opened so many that just in a single se- like a single season of review, it's hard to commend them on you know tightly writing this. It feels a little loose, but knowing that the story is so long. This does make sense. And hopefully we not confirmed yet, but hopefully we do get a season two because despite any writing or pacing flaws I had and the little CGI that kind of was like, eh, whatever. I had a fantastic time with this. I went in with no expectation other than you have to watch this. And I was pleasantly surprised and, you know, could be one of my bangers this year for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'd say I was present, pleasantly surprised as well. Uh, I was blown away that I actually enjoyed something that was like more horrorcore feeling. Is that not necessarily your your bag normally? Well, I expected to be very edgy, like where they right. were just doing random shit to do random shit. That was like, ew! You just like you know, ate that guy's heart or right. something like that. We we had an episode a while ago about a Gamaga kill about how to apply edge right, but I would venture to say, just in that context, this show takes it a step further where you're not even really sure if it's Edge because it is so ingrained in the setting, the plot, the characters, and their motives for doing anything, be it mercenary work of killing or basically hunting down in revenge. All of the Edge has a very poignant use. And to the point where you're just like, is this really Edge? Like, this isn't violence for violence. Yeah, I don't think sake. it is Edge. Yeah, and that's so, kind of why I think I enjoyed it more than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And the I, levity we we're talking about yeah, I cuts think this, through it really great. This gives me Nightmare Before Christmas vibes. Yes. Like, very, very, like, similar type, where it's like a Halloween town. There's just, like, all these, like, grotesque-looking things, but they're, like, funny. They have yeah. fun. And you, you couldn't tell a story like Nightmare Before Christmas the same way you couldn't tell a story like Dora Hetero without its application of some violence and the grotesque and the macabre. Um, that's how you have the that's, science of that's the word macabre, right? Yeah. Patrick was like, I think he said it was like one of the best 
um, uses of the macabre that he's seen. Right. And you couldn't tell the story effectively without these things. And it's the same way we've talked in the past about using like anthropomorphized animals to tell a story like Beastars. If you can tell the story without using those hooks, then you don't need to have those hooks. Remove the chaff, right? But there is no way I think you can tell a story or show a world as engaging as Dora Hetero without the violence. Um, I think a, 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 a similar equation is Devilman Crybaby. It's about demons and sex Cheryl. and violence. You can't tell that story effectively without a little bit of the macabre. So this is a show where you look at the violence and you won't say, ah, this is just edgy shit. You're like, no, that made sense. There was buildup, there's execution, there's aftermath and consequences. There is reason for it to be there. And I can't celebrate Dora Hetero enough for that. So Agreed. Yep. I liked it and you will too. Yep. Go watch our favorite, my favorite second headed li- lizard man head dude. First one being Rack from Tower of God right now. Oh. I was like, oh. <laughs> no, he's my second favorite reptile human hybrid right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that that absolutely tracks. <laughs> so I think that's honestly it. Thank you very much for listening. This episode of Dora Hetero review was a little scatterbrained because the show was as well. And I kind of liked it, which is really, really great. Um, yeah. If you want to listen with your eyes and ears, hello, YouTube gang. We're uh, recording a bunch today. So um, if you want to listen with just your ears, and not your eyes, go to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, CastBox, and anywhere else you get your podcast fix. Hit us up on our Instagram at webology.podcast. We got memes on memes on news whenever we can get those out. Occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> it's gotten slow because we're busy, busy boys. Um, What's that? And it's the shadow band. The shadow, the shadow band has been, you know, it's hard to go. Oh, we got 100 today back from. Oh, yeah, 2000 was pretty good. Yeah, we yeah. talked about it before, but we're going to post stuff for you guys every once in a while. Um, you know, if you want to show us some love or wa- have us watch a show, our list is ever growing. Hit us on our DMs on Instagram or email us at webologypodcast at gmail.com. A couple of you have already Hit us emailed up some stuff. On Twitter, Twitter. from at webologyp if you'd like. Yeah, and the name sticks, baby. The name sticks. Check us out every Thursday. We're finishing up this uh, our respective shows in a couple episodes, but our extra credits are still out and about. And if you want to follow along with our analysis on Tower of God, and Gleipnir, check us out on Thursdays on Extra Credit. Um, what else we got, Ethan? Um, we we we're been kind of previewing our syllabus sidebar show that whenever we get the Patreon up, it'll just be me and Ethan on a weekly call, just chatting and uh, planning new things in the future and talking about stuff that's not necessarily anime. If you guys just want to hear our thoughts on tech, movies, comics, anything we want to talk about, yeah, just like um pure liquid riff yeah i mean we talked about it i guess on the year one podcast but you know just like not necessarily only talking about anime because i think there's a lot of intersection between anime and a lot of other communities oh for sure um yeah so i think it will be a lot of fun plus there's like all these other like fucking hot takes and shit i have on on a bunch of stuff that you so. want to give to patreon only and it'll yeah, give yeah. you guys i think for me it'll give you guys an opportunity to kind of you know steer course of the way the show goes in in you know near future episodes since as we plan if you guys say oh that's good that's a great show you should watch it or this one sucks but you should watch it anyway for the funds of it um that'll help us kind of get you guys uh involved and have our radars kind of honed in on what exactly you want to hear from us so i think that's it man i am ricky and i am ethan and this has been webology <laughs> uh, deuces. deuces i want a lizard head i don't you don't want one? No, I don't. <laughs>